As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Barberner, along with Brendan Quinn. The Beat, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live TV and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. How about that, Brendan? Right away. Very ad well done. Very well done. Get that out of the way. <laughs> We're all set. Welcome back, everybody. We've got uh, football to discuss today and some golf, some Ryder Cup stuff as Brendan's back, <laughs> fresh off the Ryder Cup with a poor prediction. You picked. Oh, my God. I went out in style, baby. All I could think for during this whole thing, and I don't watch, I tried to like pay attention. I was, you know, uh, through the whole event. All I could uh-huh. think was, all Brendan told the people here, uh-huh. well, I'm picking Europe. The American yeah. team has no chance. It's That's a disaster. Right. And, right. you know, here we go. So It ended up ended up being it? the single greatest American Ryder Cup team <laughs> in the history of the event. I see guys hammered in the post-game or the post-match press conferences and things of this nature. D- Dustin Johnson is a legend. What a weekend. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. something. I was—I mean, I was a little off, I guess. Yeah, a little <laughs> off. You—you you missed it by a couple feet. It was I'd like say. midway through Thursday, and I was just—or midway through Friday, I was just like, "Ah, oh, shit! <laughs> this isn't going how I thought they're it was." They're going to win by a million. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was awesome, though. It was awesome. Uh, Very cool. Actually, it looks cool. All the images I saw are pictures and videos. The crowds were wild, man. man. Like here—here's what like you don't really get uh that probably tv doesn't do justice is on friday and saturday you know there's 50 60,000 people there really oh geez. but there's only there's only four groups on the course because it's not yeah. a tournament right where there's people all over the place it's just four right, matches sure. going on so it's just 60,000 people essentially roving around four golf holes and just kind of hmm. moving in in a herd and it's <laughs> I mean, unreal. And, it, you know, the terrain at Whistling Straits is just this rocky, you know, uh, yeah. kind of like dunes type thing. So it, That looked pretty cool, too, just the course. I, I was waiting. You know, I, I get out there a lot and follow groups uh, when I'm covering these things. 
And all week I'm like tiptoeing around, just trying not to eat it, trying not to sprain yeah, an ankle. Yeah, right, of course. And uh, made it all the way through. And then uh, the final group of the event is on the 17th hole. Yeah. And I'm walking down a, a past a side hill on the green, hit yeah. a wet spot, dude. I <laughs> I fucking ate it so hard. I almost fell and rolled into a bunker. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, like it was bad. It was really bad. And I. I and there was like a group on the green. I was like, there's a 50-50 chance that's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> 5,000 people around this green definitely saw it for sure. There was another writer next oh. to me who was like, dude. like 50-50 I like, chance. Helped, I like grabbed onto like a blade of grass that like kept me from falling into a goddamn bunker next to the green. <laughs> was it on TV? I don't. I don't. I you mean, haven't I gone never, back to I, look? No one, tw- no one tweeted well, at me, so that's... I assume not. Oh, uh, that's always good. There's a 50-50 chance that's on national television. <laughs> yeah. 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 But otherwise, it was a great time. I could just hear, like, I don't even know who was calling it, like Mike Tirico or something, be like, oh, geez. And, uh, like somebody, somebody just, just fell, fell into, into a bunker. bunker. <laughs> <laughs> and us at home would be like, well, I think we know who that is, yep, folks. Yep, 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 But it was well, awesome otherwise. Cool. I apologize yeah. for the prediction for people. The good news is now <laughs> I get to put basketball to bed, or uh, put golf, golf to, to bed, bed yeah. and now make a bunch of bad basketball predictions. Well, now your basketball coverage this year is going to be probably a little different than people are used to. Yeah, right. Or maybe a little little more expand expanded. Maybe we'll say. Yeah, I'll be doing a little bit more national stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, I mean, I live here, so I'm still going to have right. Yeah, certainly a hand on Michigan and Michigan State, but you know, Colton Pouncey uh, up in East Lansing and Austin Meek, uh, of course, in Ann Arbor. Um, You know, they're going to probably take a little bit more ownership of kind of beat yeah, stuff and things there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll still be around. I'll be going to games and be doing stories here and there and stuff like that. But, yeah, they just kind of wanted to, I think, get me out and right. get me to some other places and things like that. So I was actually I was at Marquette yesterday. Saw our old friend DeAndre Haynes. Oh, that's right. an assistant oh. there. Well, that's that Chaka right. knows what he's doing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. He knows what he's doing. That's a good hire. They had that's two really guards out. They had... Yeah, and and DeAndre got out before Mark Turgeon got fired, which is right. a great play. Yeah. Um, so they had two guards out. So Dre mm-hmm. had to had to. Oh, he played basically <laughs> play. And like, dude, they practice like they go. Oh, of course, yeah, they right. go full yeah. court two hours of <laughs> pressing press the whole thing. Dre, like Dre's thirty seven. He's only two years yeah. younger than me. He's diving oh on the floor, taking charges, dude. You're, you're over here like I got the Ben Gay for you. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sitting next to like a guy from like the Milwaukee Bucks, and like Dre comes walking by. I'm like, dude, you're gonna end up getting a ten day from these guys. You're the hardest working, <laughs> hardest working player out there. Uh, but no, he was like in the ice bath afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing well. Uh, interesting times it. at Marquette. Had a nice, got, there, like, got yeah, like an hour sure. with Shaka. So that'll be. I'm doing their state of the program. So, but yeah, to your question, uh, yeah, I'll be doing a little bit more national stuff, but. Um, Still have the podcast with Dylan. We'll be doing every Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, you and I will still be talking Michigan, Michigan State yeah. groups all the time. Um, yeah, plenty of content. I think it'll us. be good, too. I think Colton, uh, I was just up at Michigan State yesterday talking to Colton. Izzo was in there, too. So Colton's getting familiar oh, yeah. with the uh, hoop scene. Um, and he'll, you know, I assume Colton will probably even dive into more recruiting uh, than uh, mm. Than maybe you would like to do in certain mm-hmm. situations, and Austin, of course, will have more time too to jump in with the Michigan. So I think it'll be good. It'll be good for everybody yeah. to get some more uh, more stuff out there. But before we get there, football season is still happening. You said it was 
Basketball season, my man. It is not <laughs> basketball season in this country. It is still football season <laughs> all the way. Michigan and Michigan State both 4-0, despite what both fan bases would gripe and complain about on Saturday night and Sunday morning. I think most have uh, <laughs> settled down now, but both in a um, – and I would say both are in good spots. I think both are better than I thought they would be at the beginning of the season. And for two teams that I think are not the same, but in similar sort of, they're similar and not the same, I guess, and they're dissimilar and similar. But I think they both are well said. S- sort of on <laughs> the right path that you want. I mean, they're both getting better at something every week still, yeah. but I think yeah. that that task is about to get a lot harder here. So mm-hmm. here we go. So you caught none of this this weekend. but I, I did not know. see any of the Michigan game. The Michigan State game... I saw a little of overtime. I was watching it like on a stream mm-hmm. on my phone on the media shuttle from Sheboygan to Green Bay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I saw, saw a little right. bit of it. and Yeah, I mean, th- my read on the end of the Michigan State game was like, man, I because it's still September, It's just it felt like one of those games where it's like, wait a second, is this going to be a team that shows a degree of Metal and gets mm-hmm. through a bad performance, right? Without taking the L, or is this a bad team that's in a close yeah. game for a reason? You know, and it, that this this is a, a kind of shows who they are a little bit more than you know. Oh, they overcame a bad performance and won. That's, you know what I mean? That there's. I think it's both because at the end um, of the year, end of the yeah, year, right. end of the year, when we go back and look at the schedule, it's just like, oh yeah, that Nebraska game kind of showed who they were. You know what right. I mean? And things like that. But I think it's a little bit of both because um, I think it's mm-hmm. a comeback to life or comeback to, you know, earth moment uh, to a degree because, you know, people got a little fired up uh, <laughs> before uh, or in the in the wake of the Miami game. Uh, As when, they should. When, yeah, are, of course. Fans are allowed. Get nuts. And, yeah. you know, and they, got, and they got even more fired up when people pointed out that Miami was a complete disaster <laughs> defensively and you were not going to get the kind of free yards that Miami and you know and again it wasn't a knock on anybody it was Kenneth Walker was taking yards that were being given to him and Nebraska really was the first team you know in this situation that made sure to keep one safety on the left and one linebacker safety on the right and he didn't have those bounce cuts right so he didn't have those big giant cutback lanes that we're used to seeing from him and more teams are going to do that and that's they made him cut and make moves sort of in the box. And I think that was an adjustment for him that I did think he adjusted to after the first half. I think the first half was a struggle for him. I think he adjusted to it in the second half. I'm curious to see how that goes for him now going forward because I thought this game I didn't think the line necessarily blocked well, but I also thought Walker left yards on the field. I thought he missed Mm -hmm. some gaps, and I thought he was still adjusting to sort of like – they played him different. Nebraska played him different. So I think – We'll see how he adjusts to that because now he's adapting to life as someone who's marked, which is a different world, as we know. So I think that all things considered, that was sort of the the deal for Michigan State. Adjusting to life as, you know, you're back in the Big Ten. You're playing a team that in Nebraska who's a sloppy disaster, but they play hard. I will say that. And they've got guys mm-hmm. on the team that can play. Um, so you're in a fight. And you had to claw through it. And like you said, Brendan, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a sign that, you know, 
they're they're pro- they're progressing the way you want them to, but they're not. You know, they're probably not going to win the Big Ten title this year. And I think that that's a nice reminder of it, or at least yeah. not today. And you know, you're you were in it against a team that could have beat you, and you clawed your way back, and you had. You know, you've got a guy like Jaden Reed, and we talked about Walker. Reed's another one, a marked guy who's a really good player that other teams have to scheme against. And he made a play for you at the end of the game, and boom, there you go. So you ground, you grinded through it, chopping wood, whatever you want to call it, however Mel Tucker does it. I think that's certainly notable and something to hang your hat on. But I think the reason you saw Tucker sort of like banging his fists on the table yesterday at his press conference a couple times, getting frustrated, was that they had a lot of leaky... Um, 10-man football stuff that they don't have the margin talent-wise right. to survive. So that that was a you know, reminder there, sure. Hmm. So an interesting um, interesting game, that but was, also that like... Was, that, was the, that was the explanation of a man who got who got a, a run from uh, MSU Twitter there. That's what that was, folks. I got a run? Oh, I did yeah. get... Well, I got yelled at. Yeah, it came, that was it came, for, it came for your head last week, or uh, not this week. That was two weeks ago, or whatever it was. But yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, they were in an inter- interesting spot. They're the process is working. <laughs> you know, he's the things he's doing are working. Mm-hmm. But and it's the same conversation for Michigan. It's the same situation. The things they're doing are working, but you have to remember where they were when this started, and you have to remember sort of the context and. You know, for Michigan State, the context is is that there's still a roster in transition that is still climbing uphill in, you know, a lot of areas talent-wise. An improved roster, but not, you know, we're still sort of, I think, judging that. You know what I mean? Like, we still don't know all the way how they stack up. And I think this was a nice way. You know, I thought they stacked up against Nebraska. I thought they competed. I don't think Nebraska's weak up front. I think they've got really good players. Their center is, ama- is amazing. I know you don't want to hear about him, but this guy's a stud. So they've got guys up front that can play, and I think they hung in there and that's the takeaway, but I'm not crowning anyone here uh, on either side sure. of the aisle at uh, September 29th, for sure. Did uh, what about the Michigan game? So I saw uh, very I similar. A high, this is how prepared I am for this podcast. I have not even seen a highlight of that. Well, game. you've seen this game before. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> okay. perfect. So you've I, seen, I can cook. I can cook up some takes. You've on actually that. seen the Michigan State game before too. You've seen both, really. Um, you've seen this game before, uh, but also, again, I, I'm going to point two things out. Remember where Michigan was on August 1st and what we talked about back then, like. All the things with the defense being new, all the things with the staff change, all the change, adjusting, blah, 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 all that stuff, all needed to happen, confidence, everything else. Rutgers, as I've also said a thousand times here, is not your father's Rutgers. It is still your older brother's Rutgers and that it is not great, but they are not a mess and they can give you problems and they have a legit coaching staff. I mean, Shiano, you know irks people, and I understand why, but he's a very good football coach, and his staff is really good. They've paid top dollar. Um, you know, as our, our friends over there at NJ.com have written many times, the, the investment Rutgers put into the program when they finally did hire Chiano was sizable, and this is a good, good coaching staff. So it's a good team that's not going to give you free stuff. They're going to make you work for it. They're going to make you earn it, and if you try to wince your way through it, and sort of every time, and this is the criticism, every time Michigan gets into one of these tight spots – where it's like you got to have a, you know, it's third and something. You got to have it here. The default always seems to be, okay, we got to get the big guys on the field. And we just got to like 
wins right. through it. Just, you know, just kind of get through it here. And Rutgers is going to take that stuff away and make you beat them in other ways. And that's what you saw in the second half. You saw, you know, Michigan got up, Rutgers adjusted, slowed their offense down, started milking clock, and then, you know, putting all pressure on every decision Cade McNamara had to make, and then, you know, it it changed. And we've seen that before from Michigan, and we've seen, and, and again, I think it's your offense can't, fall back in love with the between-the-tackle stuff no matter what. Mm. Their best stuff, to me, is still on the edge, is still with their playmakers in space. And, you know, I think they were better in this game than they've been in the past, but there were hints of that, like, Army game in this one where it was like, let's just get through it. And you're doing the, you know, we're seeing the zone reads without the reads. We're, you know, people wondering, you know, is the quarterback allowed to keep the ball? Is he not allowed? You know, and it's like, We've done this before. <laughs> if no, if, if people aren't sure what they're doing, run something else or teach it better. Stop falling in love with the heavy stuff when everything's cluttered in the middle. Um, and I think that they'll get there, but like it was a little frustrating to see some of that come back, you know. And I think that that's a fair criticism of Gaddis, Harbaugh, and Sharon Moore, I guess, and that battery of play callers now that we need to see them stay to the plan of making sure that your athletes are being put in these one-on-one spots in space and not every time we come up against it, well, we've got a pretty good line, so let's just let them drag us through it. Sure. And it's like, that doesn't always work. It's hard to do that, especially when you've got talent like this and, and you know, we're at that spot now where you're going to have to come up with other answers other than we're just going to beat you up until you say, I quit. Like, that's not how you win every football game, as we know. And, you know, you're not going to win that Saturday in Madison, <laughs> as we know, doing that. I don't care how bad they lost another game. So this will be a big, big test. How are you going to play in this game? We know that Josh Gaddis' offense has been disasters in both of the Wisconsin games. Mm-hmm. Huge test for progress and everything else. I think this is a big, big spot for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, for everybody. Wisconsin might not be the best Wisconsin's been. I don't care. Michigan's going on the road to Camp Randall with fans. We all know how that movie usually ends. Yep. Show us something different, right? This is your first opportunity to really show us something different. And when I look at Michigan and Michigan State right now, Michigan State fans are all still pretty happy. And I think they should be, absolutely. Because you got through a game like that uh, against Nebraska, you pull it out of the fire or whatever. But also, like, you're in a good spot, you're happy, you're moving forward. Michigan fans are waiting for the rug to pull, be pulled. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, and, like, the fact that they that, yeah. that this was supposed to be, like, a prove-it game, and instead they're the ones ranked 14th in the country, and Wisconsin's unranked. Yeah, right. You know, and what's it's happening like, oh, there? Yeah, which right. <laughs> I mean, nobody would have predicted in the beginning of right. the season, right? This was supposed to be, you know, Michigan going to football. like a top ten Wisconsin team. Um, yeah, and it's they're the, they're the ranked team, and they're probably they're I imagine they're an underdog, right? Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, probably because it's Michigan, a, and Michigan, since Michigan fans are going to bet that line. But yeah, I mean, there's no way I'm betting that game. I'm, you're no. not betting Michigan in that game at Camp Randall. I don't care how good they are, <laughs> you know, or how good or bad Wisconsin is. Like, yeah, yeah. no chance. Like, they they haven't – I don't know when the last time they've won at Camp Randall is. It is. But on, it's been see. a long time. And 2001. It certainly has. 2001. My, my senior year of high Yes. School. Yes. <laughs> so, to be clear, it's been a minute. I'm an old man now, and they haven't. So, no, I, I don't think I would pick that one. And I don't think that um, it's important to say this, too. I, If you're just looking at box scores, 
Uh, Notre Dame ran away from Wisconsin last week. And did you see this, by the way? Notre Dame-Wisconsin got to play a game at Soldier Field because, you know, we can't we can't have Notre Dame and Wisconsin playing each because other on campus. It, you, know. you don't want to ha- you don't want to utilize two of the best venues no, in the country no, for college football. No, can't do that. Can't that do that. Sense. Can't do that. You know, you got to Wish- play that. The Wisconsin is a one point favorite currently. All right. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. But Notre Dame got that. You know, ran away from him at the end. It was like forty four to fourteen. And Graham Mertz, Wisconsin's quarterback, was a disaster and does not look good. And didn't really look great after starting great last year. So interesting times there. But Notre Dame gets two pick sixes and a kick return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and that's why that game looks the way it does. I think Wisconsin's defense is still good enough to give Michigan everything it wants up front. You know, And so we'll see where the offensive line is at. And this is always the game where we find out, is the offensive line good enough to get you through all these choppy spots? Mm-hmm. And if they are, Michigan plays well. And beats Wisconsin. If they're not, it gets put on the quarterback, and we see if Michigan has a quarterback or not. <laughs> and I think that this is usually how that goes, and we'll see. You know, I'm not saying that's exactly how this will play out, but that's sort of what this feels like to me um, at this point. It feels like one where we're going to see Michigan give a chance to show its fans we're not going to pull the rug out, right? Like, right. And I don't even know if that means you got to go in there and win the game. Probably uh, for most people to be happy with it, but. At the same time, you certainly can't go out there and get smoked and all the things that we've thought have looked good certainly, you know, suddenly look terrible. You know, those, these types of things, you know, those things can't happen. I guess I would say that the the good news, if you want to call it that, or positive news on Michigan's side is I just don't sense the um, entitlement or arrogance or right. whatever, you know, like I don't. I really don't. Um, I sense some stubbornness from Harbaugh, which is just part of the deal, mm-hmm. and probably from Gaddis, and probably stubbornness in what regard? But I also don't. You know, it's one of those things where it's stubbornness in terms of the situational play calling that we all gripe about and people groan about because when it doesn't work. But it's also one where I go back and look at it and say, okay, they're not fully comfortable and confident yet. In their quarterback, which I understand, and you know, I, I you're not going to want to put him in situations where he's overwhelmed or whatever when you don't have to. You're respecting Rutgers, which you should, and I understand that too. And I think that so there's it's a little bit of both, right? It's like I understand in some of those spots last week when they wanted to play a little conservative in the second half and just get through it. I totally understood that, mm-hmm. but I also, you know, I don't like how they play conservative. I think they can play conservative more efficiently. I guess is what I would what I would argue. I I don't hate when they run the ball. I don't hate when they run the ball three times. I don't hate when they run it on third and five. There are sometimes I don't like how they run it. You know what I'm saying? So right. I because I think they can be better. I think that they I think their run game can be so difficult to scheme against and so difficult to prepare for. And when they just sort of like jam in there and try to like you know we're just gonna wits through. The, it's like a waste to me. It's like what. Why not just put two fullbacks back there and jam it in there that way if you're going to do that? Like, get the thing spread out. Get your playmakers on the field. You've still got that really good offensive line. Make people think. Like, make the defense have to react to something. Like, that's... They have so many weapons. A.J. Henning, zero touches. What the fuck? Like, why Why is he not touching the ball? Like, these are things we've talked about in the past with Harbaugh. First first game of the season. Ronnie Bell's returning punts, right? Gets hurt, comes out. Everyone says, okay, well, who's going to be the next punt returner? A lot of people think, well, it's probably going to be A.J. Henning, the kid who they talked about a little bit. He's a super fast, 
sophomore. Nope, it's a walk-on, Hayden Colasar, because Harbaugh doesn't trust the young kid to go back there and catch punts. The next week, Henning goes back there and catches punts. The first one he touches, he almost brings back for a touchdown. It's like, put yeah. him on the field. Like, you've got to start trusting these guys faster. I think it's a slow process. I think it's getting there. We're going to see how much there it is on Saturday, I think, because a lot of the things, it's baby steps, and they, they need to start being more than baby steps. You know what I mean? Like, he needs yeah, to yeah. get away from some of those habits, put them to bed, and leave them there, and don't bring them back, <laughs> right? And just move forward. And I think it's happening, but not fast enough, maybe, for some people's taste. And I understand that, too. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Well, my intel yeah, on what do you got? Wisconsin, I played golf with a... Big Wisconsin guy on Monday. The Badger? Yeah. Out, in, out in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, the land oh, of the land nice. of the Hausers. I've heard of, of Stevens. Okay, is that why? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. He says... Yeah, okay. That uh, <laughs> the the general feeling, I think maybe among like their, uh, their, mes- their message boarders, <laughs> okay. is, that, is that Chris is getting ready for a QB change. Well, who's coming in? They just had. I have no idea. I have no idea. So they just lost to the guy they they got rid of last week. He says they got two good running backs, a decent line, good defense, quarterbacks, dog shit. Good defense, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. Quarterbacks, not dog shit. Okay. (laughs) We're not going to go there. He's a sophomore for crying out. That was probably overstated. That was his words, not mine. I'm not ready to throw the towel in on <laughs> Mr. Mertz yet. I, I think that Notre Dame probably deserves some credit, maybe to a degree on that, but he has not played the way they've wanted him to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think, um, to your source's point <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> the defense for Wisconsin does seem to be there. And I, I think that that was important to point out to people. They saw that score, that 44 points Notre Dame puts up. 21 of them were, you know, not the defense's fault. So... Um. Yeah, I think that this could be what we've come to expect a Michigan-Wisconsin game to be. And this is where we usually find out uh, with Harbaugh's teams because they have to play Wisconsin every year <laughs> because Big Ten's crossover games demand uh, television, <laughs> television market revenue and everything else. So sure. this is the test. Every time they play Wisconsin in a season early in the year, we find out if they have the you-know-what to play the game the way Harbaugh wants to play it. And when they do, they're not going to change. And when they don't, it's like we don't have another answer. If you don't, you have to have another answer. If you do, good for you. But, like, the offense has to become more dynamic, and I think that everybody knows it. And that's sort of the conversation that we always have. And it can become more dynamic. It's all there. Uh, you know, they're, they have weapons. You know, it's just figure it out. Right? Figure so it out. Before we get into uh, listener questions i have a question for you mm-hmm. so currently how about the michigan and michigan state both ranked and it's october yeah four and oh man right? like i so 2010 was the last time this happened yeah uh yeah that's what i said what do you think are the chances 
Okay. This is a Jack Ebling question. This is a Jack Ebling question. I like it. Now let's get into it here. Um, The season ending with both of these teams in the top 25. Well, you even even did the Jack where you went one further than I thought you were going to go with it. You want to get to the game game between the two? Okay, what are the odds of them both being ranked when they play? Now that, I like those odds. Like, I like those odds. I I like, I thought you were going to go with what are the odds both are undefeated when they play? Because oh. I, I think that Michigan State actually has a decent little... I mean, it's not a guarantee. They could lose every game they play going forward. Um, I don't know if they're winning at Indiana. Probably like, not, two, but they two could. Straight road games, two straight road games seems tough. I don't, at Rutgers yeah, at Indiana. Like, I think both of those like games... Probably not getting both those games. You're probably right. Yes, like, that's they're probably, probably hard. But I also don't know if either one of those games is necessary. Like, if you play well and lose at Indiana after mm-hmm. you've beaten Rutgers on the road or something like that. Or vice versa. Maybe they're still ranked. You know, I, I don't know. But, like, I think that the, it's very possible both are going to be... I, how about this? I like the odds of both being, like, one loss going into mm-hmm. that game. And then they would then they, they would both be ranked. Yep. Yeah, I think so. That game and would have some juice. I think the game's going to have juice. I think we're in a place right here with both teams where what they've got coming up... Um, I still got to get tickets to this shit. You do. I have to get my credential and everything, too. But uh, <laughs> on top of that, but... No, I, I, I hope for all our sakes that uh, yeah. we get to watch one that that matters. And I hope for all our sakes we do because I think that both staffs are busting their asses here. I, I think that that's what I've taken away here. Both coaching staffs, for separate reasons, I think have done a really good job through the winter, through the spring, through the summer, and through September. And that doesn't mean anything, as we know, because October and November are what matters in college football. But... We can't go forward here without noting this. This Both staffs on both sides have done a very, very good job in different situations of fixing and repairing or at least, you know, getting better at a lot of areas that needed improvement, right? And that's what I, you know, when I tweeted Sunday morning, like, both your teams are 4-0, quit complaining and enjoy it because yeah, last yeah, year yeah. was a disaster. Last year was a disaster, it was like it was over by now. Horrific. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that as I was watching yeah. back through some of these games uh, the other day. I was like, by this point last year, I'd already been like, I don't care about any of these games. <laughs> we were like talking about like who's getting fired or who's not. Like we were already doing that. But right. and it was a different time in the calendar. But like four games into last year, you were like, hell with this. I don't want to watch one more second of either team. And I was like, look, they, they came from that spot last year. They're here now. They're in a good spot. I don't know if it'll hold up for either side, but all things considered, that was a pretty good month. So I think people yeah. should take it. And I think that it speaks highly of both coaching staffs right now. I think both staffs uh, have a good connection with their team, have a good read on their team, and seem to have a good feel of where they're at. I don't I don't think either side is grasping for straws or, you know, you know how you get that sense with a coaching staff who's like, they don't really know their team. They're lying yes. to you and saying they do. I don't think that's the case here. I think both teams, both staffs have a pretty good hold on what's going on. And um, you, know, you feel like you can trust them, I guess, in that sense. Like, you know, how they're going to put a plan. It might not work, but, I, you know, you can feel like you can trust that it's at least headed into a reasonable direction. And I think that so far, so good there. But that's what I would say on that front. You see, uh, this freaking Western game is at 730 at night. Yeah, 730. Unreal. What are we doing? America. Did you catch Izzo yesterday? No, I was late. I got there uh, after he was going, done. Going after the administration, saying open the parking lots earlier. He wants. Yeah, he I wants did those see Spartan that. Fans, hang on a minute. 
What? Good and so good. What are, where did that come from? First of all, and what I was the they, comment? Because of COVID, I guess they've okay. like restricted hours okay. on tailgating. Okay, okay. COVID. Okay. Now, I, yeah, that's my history at Michigan State because I saw that tweet like from one of the might have been like Kyle Austin or somebody. Um, Izzo says reopen the par- uh, the tailgate lots so that people can enjoy them the way they used to is what the tweet that I yeah, read and I was yeah, like yeah. my head maybe it was because I was actually pulling into campus uh, at the time my head went back to tailgate lots used to be completely unrestricted at Michigan State alcohol flowed freely and in the 90s and in the 2000s the city burned to the ground every time a <laughs> night game happened because of it. So they got rid... I was actually a student at Michigan State when they banned the... You cannot... Um, you could not be at a tailgate lot, you know, X number of hours before yes. a whatever. and Because there was a night game against Notre Dame, whatever, one of those years. And, I mean, it was... A, like, inappropriate would be, like, the start of it in terms of, like, the uh, carnage and everything that happened... Horrible, uh-huh. horrible. So when I saw that, my first thought was like, are they going to go back to like, <laughs> like open it? Like, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. It must be COVID. So good for his own. Yeah, I think it's just fewer hours <laughs> like, like yeah. that it's opened up before. But he wants... Uh, good for him. Yeah. He, so he's he's Agreed. going at it. He, he wants the uh, restrictor the plates off. There you go. Get into it. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I remember in Philly when uh, it was either this, I had to have been a city thing. Mm-hmm. Where they said uh, for one o'clock games, oh yeah, you, the parking lot had to open at six a.m. They would no longer allow people to get there Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night, yeah, right. Because this was kind of what were, right. People were coming in at like six p.m. on Saturday for a one o'clock Sunday game right. and just destroying getting, everything. Just yeah. destroying everything, right. right? And then going into the game at like one o'clock, we're like, oh, this will be a nice day game, and just like <laughs> half the crowd is. Falling all yeah. over itself, right. This was uh, tailgate lots were being full at 6 a.m. for an 8 p.m. kickoff. Oh, my uh, God. And <laughs> that had become like a tradition. And uh, the, you know, the powers that be were like, this needs to stop. So they're like, you can't get here until like 2 or whatever for an 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. I think that was the rule. So that should probably stay, <laughs> stay in place. I would say. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this Saturday with yeah. the Mich- Michigan this at, be a what, good noon. One. Michigan yeah. State, 7.30, get to sit. Watch Separate windows. Take, yeah, I'll be taking notes, Nick. I'm coming in next week. All right. Yeah. All kinds of takes. Big uh, big Saturday in general, I think. A lot of good games, I think, around here. I'm, I'm skipping my 20-year high school reunion for this. 20-year? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You should skip it. Yeah. Uh, 20 both, years. I want no part of one? Yeah, but I want no part of remembering that. 20 years? <laughs> I don't need reminders that it's been 20 years. I get enough of those. Although my uh, high school coach... Uh, they're dedicating the field after him later this season. To you? No, to the coach. Oh, uh, okay. My coach, who's retired. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another reminder of how old. Are you uh, going to it? I'm going to, I think I'm going to try. I got to figure out what's all happening actually yet, but I'm not sure if they all, all the way know, but um, it's been announced and everything. So wow. yeah, pretty cool there. So yeah, Very feeling cool. old here. We got questions today. We got questions. We I think this? we should have your coach on the show. I know you've said that a couple times. I know I want it. I, I have I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about sixteen-year-old Nick. Uh, oh God, so do I. Probably at this point, after all those years. Um, well, that's okay. another topic for another day. Here we go. Questions. We'll start out here. 
Um, actually, I wanted to find. Here's one from from Chris. This is a uh, golf. Chris Burke actually started started this off. This is for you, Brennan. Okay. After your week at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. What's better, a post round beer or a tailgate beer? And I would oh. also go beyond that and say, what is the best? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what what is your best setting for a uh, for a beer? What's the best beer? So if it's between there's nothing Chris's better. First, there is and then yeah, there is nothing better than fall tailgate beers. Yeah, there I is mean, absolutely so. absolutely nothing better. Um, I would say like there's this like something like fall. overtakes you. Like, November even when I was at that Miami game, man. <laughs> when it's, it's hundred like, degrees out, yeah, it's nine like, o'clock oh, yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Man, yeah, and I was with I was with a I was with a crew that was like not quite at at that like level going in that direction. You weren't they weren't on that midwestern tailgate <laughs> timeline. Yet. And, you know they're all spartaned up. I'm there in a Saint Joe shirt. And I'm like I I don't care about this game. I care about this tailgate. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, you just get like superpowers, man. You just get you just feel good. You feel loose. Yeah. Um, best setting for a beer would be a pint of Guinness. In a small town in Ireland. So that's the best beer. That's the best beer. What about just about like a standard one that you can reasonably pull off in a in a not once in a lifetime or whatever for people who aren't traveling to <laughs> Ireland? How about like uh, tailgate beer, golf post beer, shower beer, uh, I believe has been uh, brought up a yeah, few times over yeah, the years. Yeah, I think I outgrew the shower I beer. I do agree, though, that the tailgate <laughs> beer. I mean, and I, I, we don't ever get to do it anymore in these jobs, but right. for me it was always the um, the 6 a.m. one mm-hmm. in, the, in the early fall. So it would be like, this, and I, when I say 6 a.m., I mean 6 a.m., not, you know, yes. I mean, I'm still drunk from the night before when I was in school. Yeah. Like this kind yeah. of, you know. The six yeah, a.m. Like one, weird, that weird morning dark. Yeah, where it's got like in, a glow in September, <laughs> and yeah. like so when it was still a nice day out and you could tailgate the whole day. Those were pretty tough to beat, but also to your point, the uh, like November, like early November, where it's about thirty-eight degrees outside. That mm-hmm. tailgate. Oh for, yeah, for a three thirty or a noon game. Those yeah, those where, ones are always pretty good. Where where you start in a heavy coat. Yeah, and then you're you're in a t-shirt, and then you've had enough beers, at, but you feel awesome. <laughs> you've had enough beers to where you're sweating in that coat, and it's time, <laughs> it's time to uh, you know the rest of the day is going to be a total disaster. I mean, yeah. a total disaster, especially that six a.m. beer. But yep. who cares? See, for golf, I prefer right now. You know, I of course like beer, but I yeah. I prefer a post round cocktail. Oh really? Why is after that? a round of golf, I like maybe. Maybe an old fashioned, okay. maybe a maybe a Tito's and lemonade, something like that. You got to take that edge off a little harder after. <laughs> after yeah, exactly. The, the back the back is tight. I need a higher <laughs> alcohol count uh, than just you know an IPA or something. I need to ratchet it up a touch. Maybe a, you know if it's a depending on the round. Yeah, right. But you know, it might play. be a Jameson neat, just 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 whiskey in a glass. <laughs> I don't need anything else. <laughs> I don't need anything else. Right. <laughs> Uh, good uh, questions. Fall would be okay. the best time. Congratulations, for yeah. by the way, on your fantasy football. Oh yeah, yeah. how about that? Uh, uh, you out-coached, actually outcoached the shit out of me. I screwed this up. Uh, Mike uh, asked if you were on the fantasy hot seat as one of the uh, Colton Hunter asked. Actually, we segue into this question, and uh, 
Zimmerman put this one in here in the uh, chat for us. Did you know, Brandon, before the weekend that you were on upset alert? And how did it affect your decision making in your lineup? Or did Nick just come in with a better game plan? And would you consider mm-hmm. yourself on the hot seat? And so well, I actually I thought to- you were 0-2 going into that game, but you weren't. So I thought you were 0-3. 0-3, you would have been on the hot seat. I don't know if 1-2 puts you on the hot seat. I'm not 1-2. You are 1-2. I'm 1-2, and, and so are you now. We're both 1-2. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's I good. Thought you I'm, were, 0 th- I'm 0 and 3 in my other league. Yeah, now, that league, you're on the hot seat. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> 0 and 3 is not good. Uh, if you're, I'm, I'm 0 and 3 and have the fewest points in that league. Well, <laughs> so are you rebuilding? Are you on the? Are you a Dan Campbell 0 and 3 or are you a uh, no? I'm a Colts I'm, 0 and 3. I'm a Colts 0 and 3. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. I got an anti-vaxxer at quarterback, and you know I have no. I With got no draft. Ankles. No no draft capital. Yeah, that's that's my squad. Yeah, right. I'm maxed out on defense. <laughs> I, I paid every dime I have on my entire defense. My quarterback has two sprained ankles. I yeah. have a second uh, number two overall pick, offensive guard, who's also. Yeah. Hurt. I thought I thought my team was like you know at, at the end of its prime, and in fact they're all just old and awful. You know that 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 feel. That's my yeah. squad. So yeah, it was a, it's a tough L. It's going to be a tough year. Remember how how you were talking about the uh, oh god your general feeling. At this time last year about college football in the state of Michigan, that's my general yeah. thing about both of my teams. Your fantasy teams. Moving forward this year. My uh, auto-drafted team in, an, in my other league is actually doing very well. The team that I did draft is doing terribly. So, you know, figure that one out. But I have I have Stafford as my uh, auto-draft quarterback, and he is just lighting up everyone for all the Lions uh, listeners out there, as they know mm-hmm. all too well. So Brendan's not on the hot seat yet in our league, but... Um, Certainly getting there. What do you got there, question-wise? Next question. After three years, is it time to start blaming Gaddis for the offensive struggles? Terrible in-game adjustments, says Chris. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, it's time to... If it if it doesn't... You know, I mean, if they go through the year and it's bad, I think that, certainly, this is a huge year for Gaddis. And I think that he knows that. And... um yeah, they have to be more, they have to have more answers. Like, I think that that's the thing that I keep coming back to. Like, when they reach in their bag and need a play, and they need to do something, I shouldn't be able to just guess what it's going to be, like, you know, like, accidentally right off the top. Like, there's a lot they can do. I feel like that's, I always end up, like, it's not that I sit there and think, well, that was just a terrible call on third and four, right, or third and two. It's not that I ever say that was a terrible call or a terrible choice. It's like my my default is like that was a choice and you have so many others. Why did you pick that when it felt like you just did that the last time or the time before and it kind of worked but not really and you're trying it again to see if you can get away with it. Like that those type of calls are the ones that and I don't know if that's Gaddis or Harbaugh or both and if it's both then it, then Josh needs to tell Harbaugh like you need to let me be more aggressive. And I think that that's something that Josh needs to do because this would be year three for him. And I don't know that that's happening. I don't. I haven't talked to either of those guys in that situation. But if that is something that's happening, I would hope that they have that relationship where they can they can do that. But if it's both of them kind of defaulting at like nervously trying to get through it to, you know, to avoid the quarterback taking a hit or turning the ball over. I understand that in September. I'm not – no, you know – but I don't in October, and I really don't in September either at this point. Like, I think that – I think they can come up with better answers. I know they have better answers, and it's like 
maybe a matter of just being more confident as a play caller in those answers and giving your guys a chance. I think that's what it comes down to, too. You know, like we talk about that a lot. The best coaches in any sport, college basketball, college football, any college sport, the best coaches are the ones who take, who know how and when to take a chance on a young kid. You know what I mean? Like when it's time to pull the cord and let the kid go and see what happens here. You know, I, I always, those are little things that you see with coaches over the years when you study, study one, the, the, how they handle freshmen, how they handle younger players who are good, exciting players. You know what I mean? Like they're exciting players, but they're not polished yet. Right. But they know how to get those kids off the ground. Like I always think back to how um, Beeline um, handled Karis Levert was a great example. Mm-hmm. Like Karis was in no, like they, they took him when they took him and he was like a 150 pound. They didn't think he'd be ready for like three years. And then suddenly he was like six weeks later and Beeline was like, okay, well I have to change my decision-making on all of this. And they did. Right. And it worked. I think sometimes Harbaugh, and I'm not saying this in any specific case, but it's like, there's a lot of things that change takes longer than it needs to. And, you know, this is a test to see, you know, if, we, if they can sort of get that process sped up and do something different because we can't we can't keep looking at this and saying you guys are too predictable because it's not going to go anywhere if that's how it ends. I get so. fascinated by the uh, the Gaddis subplot to this because like <laughs> he's just he really just strikes me as one of those guys that he's that any margin of like notable success he could get an amazing job yeah right head, a head coaching job that big is time yeah right three and a half million dollars <laughs> he's in a spot here man there's yeah. just no way i mean you and i've been dealing with you know college yeah. coaches for 20 years or whatever mm-hmm. right there's just no way that that is not in the back of his mind no. at all times since the day he got here like, anything the, that is done yeah, that right. like buffers him or that he disagrees with that there's not a voice yeah. in the back of his head. It's just like, this is going to cost me. Yes. This is going yes. to cost me that shot. Yes. And it is just, woo. Yep. Like, oh, and you I get that energy. That's a great point. And uh, it's, and it happens all the time. But like this yeah. one to me, it just seems that it is like circle underline. Yeah. This is in play in everything that, that goes on. Because they go win, they win 10 games this year. Yeah. He's, a, he's out of he's here, a, and he's a on his way. conference head coach. Ready or not. <laughs> you know right what I mean? Door, right? And he knows that part of it, too. It's like all these guys do. Ready or not, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's the same thing as everything else in your life. Like, people, you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you in the moment, right? So, like, there could be some of that, for sure. And I think that there definitely has been that, you know, since he's gotten here. Uh, and I think that any human being put in that situation would have that in the back of their head. Um but, you know, to to Harbaugh's sort of point that he tried to make public earlier in the year, he's at a point where no decision he makes can, you know, his his job status can't impact the decisions. And I would argue that Gaddis is now at a point where, because it could work the other way for him too. Like, if this doesn't work and they have a rough year, he's he's going backward. Exactly. He's not getting a job. Like, he's not getting a head exactly. job, and he's not getting a coordinator job somewhere else either. He's probably going backward, fair or not, right? Like, mm-hmm. same thing the other way. Ready or not, fair or not. He's not going to be going forward. So he's at that point now where I really do think it's like time to rip the cord, man, and we got to see it. Because if you don't have a good year this year, doesn't matter. So if you have a eh year, you're not going to be able to talk your way out of that. You have to have a good year. And I think we all see that and know that and – yeah, you're right. That's a good observation because I think that's exactly what's happening, you know, to a degree here. And 
we don't see that with Mike McDonald on defense because he's in his first year and you, know, you get the comfort and they're doing different stuff and they're changing it up and yeah, I mean you you need to get back to that and you but you need to do that I guess <laughs> would be part of it too because right. some would argue Gaddis hasn't really done that at all yet. It's all been very cautious. He ramps it up and gives you a taste of what it could be and then reverts right back to the comfort zone way too many times. Uh, probably frustratingly for his own sake. So, and I think a lot of times you hear him talk in his voice where he'll say, I wish I hadn't done that, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to have too many more chances to go back and say, you wish you hadn't done that. So time to let it rip. Maybe, you know, I think I, that's what I would say. What do you got to lose? <laughs> I mean, in that case, right. you do right. and you don't, you have a lot to lose, but also like, if you don't take a chance, it's not going to matter. Um, got a basketball question. All right. How about that? Um, where the hell was it? From Nate, Izzo's press conference means it's basketball season. Were right. you surprised by any omissions in the seven-man group Izzo named as the main group for playing time? If not, who do you think Only are the seven? five guys? Yeah, that's this is going to be my answer. Uh, are the five guys that come out and f- after the four under four-minute timeout in a close game? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I was not at Tom's press conference yesterday, but I listened to it. I listened to the audio of it on yeah. my drive, uh, back from Milwaukee to Detroit last night. Um, and yeah, he was kind of, he, Larry asked him for a starting lineup on September 28th. <laughs> <laughs> and the season has started officially. Right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so Tom got a laugh out of that. Everyone had a laugh and, um. And Tom said, well, you know, I'll give you, uh, if you're just looking for kind of a seven-man, yeah. you know, group right now, it would be, uh, he kind of rattled off the names, some of the names that you would expect. He said, uh, you know, um, Walker, mm-hmm. uh, Hoggard, Gabe Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Max Christie, Joey Hauser, Malik Hall, and Bingham. Is that seven? I think that's seven. Yes. So the omissions there, right, that jump out at you would be Jaden Akins, Pierre Brooks, uh, and then the backup centers, uh, Julius Marble, Maddie Sissoko. Um, Yeah, and like uh, my first reaction to it wasn't who he omitted. It was that he acted as if he would ever play a seven-man rotation. (laughs) Right. I was (laughs) just going to say. This does not happen. I mean, like – he said it with he's, a straight face. Yeah, yeah like he's going to play 10, 11 guys early in the season. Like he always does. It's the same thing every time. And, you know, the by uh, mid-February, right? It'll, yeah, right, by March 10th. It, it'll it'll be, yeah, rotation. he'll have something resembling an eight-man, you know, group. Right. So, um, but not really. I think a lot, a lot's going to, a lot's going to happen. Um, oh, yeah. The... I think Jay Na- like Jay Nakins, I think is one of the more interesting pieces on this team. And um, what is he? What's he able to give them? Can he? You know, I think he's got the billing of a point guard, but I think a lot of people are curious to see if he can play off the ball as well. And you can maybe pair him with Tyson Walker um, and have that as as a backcourt. You know, Tom continues to really pump up AJ, and he's talking about how much weight he's lost and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think he's got, based on what we saw last year, I think he's got a ways to go. Um, Tyson Walker, I haven't seen him at this level. We, I haven't seen practice. Yeah. I'm hoping to get up there next week. But, uh, you know, I'm really curious to see what he can give them. But, you know, I had, I think when, 
when Izzo was talking to Colton for his state of the program, he was mm-hmm. kind of indicating that there's a chance that AJ could start this year, and you know that that would be you know really good for AJ. But I think yeah, it would also right. be a big whiff on Tyson. Like if like Tyson Walker does ne- yeah. needs to be the guy, right? I, yeah. I, I, that was he was not brought here to be a you know potential backup or whatever. I mean, I think they they're they're counting on him to be a legit. Um, you know, high caliber, you know, top third of the Big Ten point guard. That's what they need. Yeah. Um, AJ's not making that jump. He's not going to be a top third of the Big Ten point guard. Yeah. Tyson Walker. In theory, you know, that's the hope. That's that's the the um, based on what he did already in his college career. Right. Um. You know, you want him to take a step the same way. Mike Smith did at Michigan, and I mean they haven't practiced so, yet, so to be fair, right, right, and that's so, yeah. But, but also, the, like the, the question here, like all these guys are going to play. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> there's just, seven man there's rotation. Just no, yeah, I mean they're they're gonna they're gonna iron this out. There's going to be some games where it looks cut and dry. There's going to be other games where it doesn't. There's going to be some um, where he plays 15 probably from the looks of this roster here. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, you know, I don't know if uh, do are they going to play at with with Hauser, and like are they going to play small at all with, with Hauser giving you minutes at at mm-hmm. the five, and mm-hmm. they need to figure out a way to get Malik Hall on the court, and whether that's at the three or the four, or whatever. But um, yeah, I I also don't know what kind of step forward a guy like Matty Sissoko is taking. If if is he dramatically progress from last year because there were times where last year where you're just not getting sustained minutes out of him you can put him in there to run around you know for for two minutes flying around you know over committing on every play possible um but is he actually kind of ready to step in and be more of a college basketball player this year i don't i don't know so uh i wouldn't read too much into the comments yesterday and especially like in september based on like preseason conversations i've had with tom before he just goes. He just oh, kind yeah. of. He just wants to talk. It, like everything just flows out. There's really no like set agenda of like I'm going to say this. Yeah, he just starts talking. Instead, it just kind of comes out. Right, <laughs> that was kind of the sense. Like yesterday, he spent half the time talking about the vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's like it was a half minutes. an hour press conference. Yeah, yeah. it's a half hour press conference. <laughs> spent half of it talking about the vaccine. Um, I think that was his agenda yesterday. Not well, there you go. Talking about not talking about the rotation. Yeah. So. Uh, Let me ask you this yeah. though before we move off okay. of this one. New, I mean, they, it's not new in a sense that it's familiar faces, but the staff is different. Um, it is for the first time in a good minute here. Um, are you? What do you expect? Do you expect anything like a Michigan State practice to look any different at all with that, or with that is Izzo, Izzo, and it's whatever because those guys are familiar with him and everything else. Is there going to be any impact that's noticeable? I, I guess I would say. No, I, I would be most curious. I'd be most curious to see with the if the change. if the offense changes because Dane had a lot of control of mm-hmm. the offense. Um, he had a heavy hand in in what they did offensively, and now he's gone. Right? Yeah, right. And, and Doug Wojcik's been promoted to assistant coach. Mark Montgomery was brought in as recruiting coordinator, which goes in giant air quotes. He's essentially a fourth assistant coach, right. um, and he's been here before, of course. He has been there before. Um, he'll have, you know, the perspective of being a head coach. He'll also have the perspective of what Michigan State did previously. And, like, mm-hmm. something I want to talk to Tom about that, like, he he carries this fine line of being like, we want to, uh, you know, re-identify 
parts of our culture, whatever, that like kind of make us what yeah. we are as Michigan State That's and all that. And it's like this very fine line of like trying to recapture what you used to do or used to be. Yeah. And then also like having healthy evolution. Advancement. Yeah. Forward. Right. So like how do you strike that that chord? Um, mm. I don't know. I'll be really cu- like in a perfect world. Tyson Walker is legit, and yeah, you can right. go back to kind of the way they played with Cassius, where you know it's it's more ball screen heavy stuff, and you've got that's what you need to be doing on, on the yeah. court, right? Um, and and have a true point guard who can create and actually facilitate. You know, last year they just didn't have a point guard; they didn't have anything resembling one. Um, and you know that's on them. So right this this year if they don't again it's also on them you know so getting back to what you were was getting a tough ass point guard and guys that uh, are yeah. physical like that's 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 recruiting Tom like exactly yeah like uh, if if you tell me like hey does Michigan State yeah, need guys that run through walls or do they need you know yeah. a, a all conference point guard they need an all conference yeah point guard. right I would say that <laughs> helps yeah, right. yeah I mean eating nails is great and all but <laughs> give me the all conference point guard the war drill it's cool and it tells it makes for good books as we've seen mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. yeah interesting times it'll be it'll be an interesting year there let's see what oh, else we got here you got any more uh, hoops questions today Are we uh, I did have a Michigan State uh, football offensive line. Jack uh, asks, and this is an interesting one that I was actually going into today when I was looking at tape. Um, <clears throat> what is Michigan State's best offensive line unit? Because they play two. Mm. And do you think they'll be capable uh, of getting a push against better run defenses in the league? So it's interesting. Um, and I asked Mel Tucker yesterday about this because they they continued to do it beyond the Miami game. They, they've rotated lines... Um, Pretty consistently, the one, the first line has played more, and the second line isn't a full new five. Uh, but you know, you've got Kevin Jarvis playing a different position, and they bring in Luke Campbell, and they bring in Samak at center. So they do mix some things up, and they've continued to do it. And I thought, I wondered, were they doing that to get through the Miami game because they knew they're going to go down there and play in the Heat, and it was going to be, you know, one of those big tests where you had to be there in the fourth quarter, and they were, and it, you know, it paid off. I thought for them. And I kind of was watching this one, and I'm thinking to myself, because, you know, the running game was a little choppy, and I'm watching it along, and I'm thinking, like, maybe they need to stop rotating the line, but then I get into the second half, and some of the chunks, or the second quarter anyway, and some of the chunks they're getting are from the second line, so I almost, like, I don't know. It's an interesting situation. I asked Tucker yesterday, are you, like, going to start getting rid of that as you go forward here and trying to, like, you know, squeeze that down? And he's kind of indicated, no, I'm not worried about that at all. I want to continue doing that. I think the first line is better, but I think the second line actually, in some ways, has helped maybe keep that first line fresh, allow them to reset. As long as you're not having pass protection issues and as long as you're not having confusing scenarios where you have guys playing next to new faces, I think it's fine mm-hmm. because they're like overhaul. You know what I'm saying? Like you, the second line is playing next, you know, the right tackle is playing next to the right guard. It's the same every time. So. I think that's been cool and different. I don't see it a lot. Uh, it's been I don't know how much longer you, you want to do it because I, I don't know how much you want to take that first line off the field, but like it allows you to continue to compete. I understand that. Um, but it is interesting. We haven't we haven't seen a lot of that. And for a team that doesn't have a lot of depth, I think it makes a lot of sense too, because you know, anybody gets injured in that first line, then suddenly, you know, your suddenly your second left tackle has been playing, you know, for most of this game or part of the last game or whatever. 
Uh, so I understand that too. They don't have a lot of depth. I get it. Um, but it's an interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people have picked up on. But yeah, they keep doing it. So interesting. Well, do you want me to give it the same answer on the Michigan State side? That was the Michigan State. Michigan State. Oh, Michigan I, is not I, I, doing I, I, this. I'm sorry, Michigan. This was my, Michigan State. I, I, yeah, Michigan State's second. Yeah, uh, I misspoke. Michigan. Yeah. But it's been interesting because we don't see – we see teams get – you know, Michigan has been playing six linemen. Trenty Jones uh, comes in as the sixth, kind of the swing tackle. And a lot, everybody does that. Uh, but Michigan State has truly gone to – you know, they've got competition at center. They've got competition at tackle and at guard. So they've just said, screw it. Like, they're playing like eight or nine guys every game and – all right. Like so far, so good, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we'll see, we'll see how it, I do think you're going to have to sort of like, like we just talked about with Izzo and the basketball side, you're going to have to focus that tighter as you get forward here, because you're going to get into some games where you're not going to want to take, you know, Horst or JD Duplain off the field. Um, and I think that that's probably a point they're getting to, but maybe not there yet. Gotcha. Sorry, I got distracted. Oh, no worries. Um, all right, what else we got here? Let's see. We've got more here. Uh, Andy, in your opinion, was this offense's, was Michigan's offense's second-half performance against Rutgers more about failing to adjust, more about scheme, play calling, or execution? Um, I think it was execution on the quarterback's part. McNamara has to be better. Um and I also think, like we talked about earlier, I don't really have a problem with the calls that they made. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a problem with the, yeah, I guess it's the managing the game in the moment. I guess that's really what it is. And and that's kind of the thing that where Harbaugh refuses to argue, and he should, he should refuse to argue with that. That's like, you can't do that. You can't argue with a coach, right, about like, hey, uh, that was a, that was a disaster. You, maybe you shouldn't have done that. You know, like that's a. I get it. Like that's a hard thing right, to do. But right, there are right. times where I understand where, like, just the feel of where they want to go with it. I just think they have better calls. Like there's times where they go to something because they're comfortable with it. Where I'm like, you know, I don't think you're giving something else a chance when maybe I think you could and you'd probably surprise yourself. So that's that's what it is for me. I, I understand. And McNamara is also missing throws. Like that's the other part of it too. He misses a touchdown. At the end of the first half, <clears throat> that was it easy. I mean, he, he should have been able to just hand that to him on a platter. That was right there. You got to make that throw. Um, you know, he's miss, he misses a check down on a ball uh, on second and 10 that leads to a third and 10 on a series where they threw on first down. So suddenly you've got a situation where Rutgers is putting these 12-place drives together. Your defense can't get off the field. You go back out on offense and you want to be aggressive. And so you call a pass on first down, he misses. You call a pass on second down, he misses his check. You call a pass on third down, it's third and 10, and he's not hes not going to have an answer for you on third and 10. So right. you're right back to punting. 10 seconds have gone off the clock, and the defense is right back on the field. This is the deal. This is what you go with. So it's the same thing at the beginning. The quarterback is a very important position here, and it, and it has mm-hmm. to be more efficient. And I think that the stuff they're doing – with the read stuff and the quarterback read stuff, it's frustrating. I don't get it, but I don't think it's hurting them either. I don't hate a lot of what they're doing with the pass game. You'd like to see maybe some more play action built into that to help McNamara out. I think he has to be more efficient with the ball. And I think Michigan has to continue to work on him or work on that with him, but also work on putting him in spots where you're not asking him to make throws that he's not comfortable with. So Mm -hmm. because... If the answer here is you got to pull him, then you're 
putting your chips in on the true freshman and you better hope that works because if that doesn't work, <laughs> you know, where's that go? So yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of everything, you know, so, but it's the same, you. similar as um, everything else. I totally went down a wormhole. Yeah. After I was talking about Michigan state, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, like the word that you always spell wrong, no matter what, or yeah. like never feel confident yeah. spelling. Yeah. That is AJ Hogard's name for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pronunciation of his last name like it has been since he was in high school at archbishop carroll yeah like i i you can't do it i can never remember <laughs> if it's hogard or hoggard like and this is going to be i think you when, said when he's hogard just, every time so i feel like that's what i always i said is. hogard i think that's what See, you i felt usually, like before I, no, s- I don't know if you know if you i think you just said aj this time but you usually well, I, I said say his hogard. last name here and i'm like oh shit wait and I started, I, and I just well, what spiraled. Do you not Hogard. know? Hogard. Hogard. That's what you usually Hogard. say, I thought. Well, that's good. I don't know what I said I earlier. Thought. I could be wrong. I felt like I said Hogard. Wait. Hogard? It's no, Hogard. I always hear Hogard. I, when I see that name, <laughs> when I see that name in my head, I hear Hogard. But I, you know, I don't know. I guess I probably read more than I listen. <laughs> or whatever these days. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. Maybe, maybe by a senior year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, I don't know if there's any else. Anything else you got? Uh, Aaron has a, a fun one. I'm trying to think of an answer here. All right. Favorite moment from a Jim Harbaugh press conference. <laughs> it seems like his answers fall under A. Five words or less. B. Deer in the headlights. Death stare. C. Soul crushing reply. Uh, or D. A graduate thesis report that may or may not be related to the question at hand. That's a pretty good breakdown from Aaron. I <laughs> There's a say. lot. There's a lot. There's been yeah. so many. I could. I mean, from the time that he got asked after a game what he thought about Trump's comments about the American flag. <laughs> that happened once. I remember that. That was like... It, we were talking he to He was like... What? It was about... What was it? It was about <laughs> Trump calling... Guys who took a knee, sons of bitches, or something like that. And Harbaugh's like, obviously, oh, right. I don't. And they were asked about Kaepernick. Yeah, and he's like, obviously, that's ridiculous or whatever. He's like, what are we? What are you asking me that for? Like ten minutes after. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of a lot of times I think about the questions that he gets asked. No, the one that I always go back to that sticks in my head the most is like, it's from the first year, and it's the first time that he got asked straight up from somebody like, because uh, you remember the first year when everybody was like, when's he gonna mm-hmm. leave? When's he going to leave? Yes. Yeah. So it was like the ninth or 10th game of the year and they went to Indiana and I've told this story before, but they go to Indiana and, um, and you know, George in Indiana, George. Oh my God. Um, I don't know where George works. Um, I don't know where he was working at the time. It doesn't matter. No. (laughs) So he's there and you know, he's been there forever, of course. And, um, he asks Jim and he was there when Jim was playing, uh, with the Colts too. And he, I think Jim, knows George. I think he, well, at least he recognized the face yeah. anyway. Uh, and so he asks, you know, because they get this like four overtime win over Indiana and Harbaugh is just like, love it. I mean, he is loving it. He's sitting there with Rudock and they're enjoying it and everything else. And George, like eight questions in. Jim, um, if uh, Jim Ursay were to give you general manager uh, role, you know, and everything else, would you uh, take the Colts job here in like a month or whatever? And before he could finish the question, I'm just watching Harbaugh's face the whole time as he's sort of getting that. Before he could finish, Harbaugh's got the hand and he's like, stop, stop, just stop yourself. And he's like, just stop yourself. I cannot take this anymore. Cuts him off. And he's like, no. And he just, 
I don't even think he answered it. He just like was like, I'm not doing this. And he just moves on. And it was the first of many of the, of those instances that we saw. But uh, that's one that I always my, go back my to. My favorite, and this was in like a specific moment, but my favorite thing about my, like whatever it was, I guess two years that I consistently went to mm-hmm. the press conferences. And I'm sure he still does it now. But like anytime he's given a leading question, Oh, yeah. You know, so for listeners, I'm sure you guys know this, but like a leading question, right, is where you basically just present your theory. Yeah. Right. To a (laughs) coach and then just say, right. Talk about that. That's the question. (laughs) Now, can you just repeat that back to me so I can put it in my story that I'm writing? Right. This is. Yeah. yeah, It's not 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 a great tactic, but um, a lot of people will play along with it. Right. And they'll they'll, if it's wrong, which it often is. Yeah. Right. They'll either kind of. (laughs) massage it into some figure clay figurine that makes sense you know or they will um you know kind of dismiss it in a genteel way yeah and harbaugh those first few years was just oh god yeah basically just shit on whoever he still he still no yeah still doesn't yeah i mean and it was great i mean because you know, leading yeah. question. It's not, a, it's not good form. Or, so I was always just think it's hilarious. Somebody would ask the two hundred word, you know, whatever, and he'd be like, yes. and they'd be like, your, your thoughts, and he'd be like, no, you pretty much covered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I think you pretty much covered that one. Let's move on to the next one. And they'd be like, Jesus, what just happened there? And the thing about Harbaugh that people don't understand when they go into those things is that he can take uncomfortable silence a lot longer than you can. So like, yep. he will stand there. And just not say anything until like, are we moving on? Or are we are we done with this? Like whatever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that those are always the interesting ones for sure, and they're still happening, uh, as far as I know. All right, I have a question about uh, what Penny paid Amani. There it was. I saw that on there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Durham. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, those guys are getting taken care of to go to Memphis in one way or another. You know, and here's oh, the thing out. right now because. Because the NL, NIL rules right now don't make any mm-hmm. – like nobody knows what's an actual violation yeah, no right now. And nothing right. will actually be um, able, I think, to even be like legislated, if that's the right word, like yeah. to, or, 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 or kind of taken to task on like doing something illegal because nothing's illegal right now. Right. But to the question, like, I mean, Penny himself – like if you think Penny cut – a check of his own money to Come get on. those guys. Yeah, you're right. out of your mind. That did not happen. That's actually a good. That's actually a good talking point to make. <laughs> that fans who claim or like cry cheating and foul. Like if you're gonna do that, I'm not telling you you can't do that. You have to be smarter than to be like. Did Penny write a check for that recruit? Like that's not how that works. I'm not saying that anybody cheated or didn't cheat. But let's be a little. Let's be a little more clever or smarter on understanding that coaches are not writing checks for recruits out of their own bank account. Yes, I would agree with mm-hmm. that. I think I'm tired of hearing that uh, gripe on Twitter. It's a much the, the cheating in college athletics are, is much more sophisticated than the head coach writing a check out of his bank account. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like I'm not accusing anyone of doing anything here. I'm just saying if we're going to gripe about things, let's uh, let's respect the process a little more than we do maybe. How about that? That's about my that? that's my last point right. today. You got anything else? No, sir. Okay. I think we're good. Uh, yeah, I think we are good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Leave a five-star review or and do all those things. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, tip your bartenders and servers. And, uh, and yeah, I think Nick and I both e- uh, echo 
old Tom Izzo. Go, go yeah, get vaccinated. vaccinated. For the love <laughs> of God. <laughs> Later. I was born and raised The place where I